Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Turbulence. I am your host, Jack White, alongside my partner, George in the Jungle, Mr. George Shalloway. George, another Thursday, but it's a different Thursday. We're coming off of a Maryland victory. We are. We're also getting ready for our first non-night game of the season with the 3.30 kickoff on BTN against the Nittany Lions up in State College. Looking forward to it. I mean, that's going to be an interesting one for sure. Lots to talk about later in the show about that one. But first, last week didn't get the chance to congratulate both Brandon Lowe and Adam Kolderak for making a World Series appearance this year, playing each other, two former Terps on the Maryland baseball team. Adam Kolderak went home with a ring, but still Brandon Lowe with a heck of a season alongside his opponent, Adam Kolderak. So congrats to both of them as well. Now I'm going to toss it over to George. George, why don't we explain the name of our show a little bit and instead of keeping you know our, our fans and our listeners out there in the dark? Of course. So the name Turbulence came to be because we were thinking about, well, what would be a good name, name for this uh, podcast here that we've got? And we thought to ourselves, well, you know what? Some things that we've loved about going to the games over the years was the Maryland flag drop. And at the basketball games, after the 2001 theme song was played and the flag was unrolled all the way down to the bottom of the wall, they would play Turbulence to get the, the, the song by Steve Aoki to get the crowd pumped. And we're like, well, we're going through some turbulent times and we're all Maryland fans here. So let's make this Turbulence. And that's how the name came to be. Is that correct, Jack? That I couldn't have said it any better myself, my friend. So that right there, folks, that is how Turpulence came about. So here we go. Before we dive into the segment, George, I think you've got a couple of trivia questions to ask me here on our segment, Terrapin Trivia. I do. Uh, I'm 0-1. I did not get our trivia question last week. So I gave you two chances here. Well, I appreciate you're giving questions. me the opportunity to at least, you know, get out of episode two, you know, at a 500, you know, percent mark here. So I'm ready. Okay. The first question, who was the last player to score a UMD touchdown against Penn State? That's the first one. Okay. And the second one, this weekend – the Terps are heading up to Beaver Stadium, which, even though there will be no fans, is a very, very large stadium. Can you name the top five biggest college football stadiums? Those are the two questions. Wow. Think about them and get back to me at the end of the show, please. Absolutely. No I cheating, by the way. No cheating. No cheating. Oh, it's all about the honor system here on Turpulence. Got to be thinking while reporting on the show. So let's dive in here. We are going to first dive in. Talk about a little bit of that Maryland-Minnesota game. Obviously, prior, all you fans know out there, and we did as well, Maryland was coming off of a rough, and I mean rough, 52-10 to 10 loss last year to the Golden Gophers. But, George, you know, they responded, and it was an interesting response to say the least. The game started out very fast. Maryland up 21-7. to 7. Things looked good, but, George, things took a turn. Minnesota then scored 31 unanswered. I got like, what were your thoughts? Cause my, I was absolutely out. I, I was here at my house. I think I lost my voice probably five minutes in, but at that point when touch, it was touchdown after touchdown and we cannot shut down that high power go for offense. I was, I was going off the wall. 
I agree with that. And when he said, what were my reactions? My reactions were, oh, no, here we go again. Yep. Because okay. wait, wait, is that oh no, here we go again for the season or against the Gophers? Uh, with our defense not being able to get the stops that we need, I okay. remember the, the the vibes that I were getting from that game was an absolute shootout where the Terps were underdogs, which brought back memories of Maryland versus Ohio State in 2018. Oh yeah, what got me were these things. Number one. It wasn't our running backs that came out of the gate super fast like we did with Anthony McFarland rushing for nearly 300 yards. Mm -hmm. It was Leah who came out of the gate looking like a four-star starting Big Ten quarterback. It was a completely different game than he had against Northwestern. All of us were excited for it. Yep. You know, we were up 21-7 and we were feeling – at least I was feeling confident. I'm like, okay, our offense is putting up points. Our defense has gotten some stops. Our run defense isn't atrocious. This could be a a good game. Yep. And then Mo Ibrahim continued to run the ball down our throats, scoring four touchdowns, rushing for 207 yards. Yep. Which is reminiscent of our glory days with our running backs with, you know, Ty Johnson and Anthony McFarland and Javon Leak. But we didn't have those players to help us on the sidelines get back into it, which is perfectly okay because we had Jake Funk, who had a great game himself, 221 on the on the ground. He got a pass, uh, receiving touchdown. He, he caught a pass in the end zone for us on the opening drive. And that was actually his most yards he's ever had in a game. Before this, it was 94 yards last year against the number, 120, the number 21 team in the country in Syracuse. Sure. So it was really good to see him having a career day. Then all of a sudden, uh, the wheels started falling off. We couldn't get, <laughs> we couldn't get a stop, which is okay because we still had the lead, but the lead got smaller and smaller, yep. and we lost the lead, and then we couldn't score, and we had a turnover in there, and I was like, oh, no. Please <laughs> tell me that Locks has a good halftime speech to get us back in there. Yeah, and it might not have been a good halftime speech. It might have been a good end of third quarter speech because the fourth quarter is where the Terps came back, got the win. Well, they got it in overtime, but they got a chance to play for that win in overtime in the fourth quarter. Well, I think we haven't even addressed the obvious here. Let me talk a little bit about, I think it's safe to say in College Park, it's Tulia time. It is, it is Tulia time. We have seen now the reason behind why Coach Locks decided to choose number three to go out there and take the ship, take helm of this team. He went out. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't play any worse as a unit against Northwestern. Nothing was clicking other than that first drive. And it was funny. You know, I'm sitting home watching the game, and I'm looking at this first drive and capped off by a Jake, Jake Funk, excuse me, rushing touchdown. You know, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. I mean, other than the fact that we got a field goal against Northwestern, I'm thinking, you know, this is basically – I feel like this is deja vu all over again. Can we hold? And for a while it did look like that. But then all of a sudden, as you mentioned, George, our defense got complacent. It got nonchalant. And we ultimately gave Minnesota 31 unanswered points. But Tulia was dialed in. Dialed, dialed, dialed in. He threw for 394 through the air. You mentioned – uh, Jake Funk had 221 on the ground, and I believe I want to say Tulia had about 57, almost 60 rushing yards alone on the ground, including 
that long rushing touchdown. Um, phenomenal. And job. the game winner in overtime too. Yes, correct. Thank you for adding that. That's more important. And yes, he had the game winner in OT, um, which Minnesota could not stop. And ultimately, you know, he's just, he's an elusive quarterback. I got to admit, George, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. He reminds me of a younger, probably a little more inexperienced Kyler Murray. He's not the tallest guy. He doesn't have the biggest arm in the world, but he can protect himself. And he's very accurate outside the pocket as well. We saw some of that on display this past Saturday at College Park. I don't know if we can compare him yet to Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray was obviously a Heisman Trophy winner, first overall pick. So I wish we can say he's that good. But we can say that he was the best Maryland quarterback that we have seen in a long time. I'm not going to, you know, say that he is the almighty quarterback because we hope to see that performance continue. Because last year we had a couple great games out of Josh Jackson, and then he – didn't produce the same way. So I hope this wasn't a fluke. I don't think it is a fluke. He might not be able to throw for almost 400, three in the air, two on the ground himself every game. No one's expecting him to do that. But as long as he can continue to make the smart decisions with the football, even though he had that interception, it was off of a tipped screen pass. Um, Obviously no one likes a turnover, but that, that wasn't a bad decision on his part like he had against Northwestern. So everyone can live with that. Uh, and, and I'm excited to see what he can do against the Penn State defense, which even though they didn't beat Ohio State last year, they, they kept it relatively close, at least closer than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see what he can do, again, on the road too. This isn't in, in the shell. This is up in Beaver Stadium, up in State College. So I hope he can get uh, another uh, – well, his first collegiate road win under his belt and be – more comfortable than he was against Northwestern on the road. And I think that would be a really good sign. I would love, I would love to see. That's a great point. I would love to see if he's able to use this past weekend as momentum. Uh, It was homecoming uh, at Maryland. There was a lot of hype into it. No fans there, um, but still a big day in college park. And he did a phenomenal job in getting the win, but you're absolutely right, George, to, to compete in a, in a power five conference, a conference with so many ranks, so many, Uh, prestigious football programs you need to be able to win on the road no matter who you're playing and you know I'm very aware Penn State has a phenomenal program has for years they're a great football team very sound Um, unfortunately for them they are 0-2 headed into this one this Saturday Um, Ohio State gave them quite a beat down uh, last Saturday uh, primetime on ABC um, however, I know they're going to be, they're going to be coming in a little upset and, uh, pissed off and they're, they're looking for that first win. So it's, it's going to be interesting. Tulia, Tulia, excuse me, is up against a lot. Um, he's going to be facing a much better defense, um, in comparison to Minnesota. And it's going to be interesting to see how him and his receivers, um, in particular are, you know, clicking, you know, are they going to be able to have the same chemistry they did? Because I know we're going to need to see a little bit more out of Rakeem Jarrett, uh, the recent recruit freshman. We're going to need to see a little more from Jay Sean Jones. Um, and we're definitely going to need to see more, I think, from junior Dante Demis Jr. Uh, those three guys, those three guys are a key asset. Freshman, redshirt, sophomore, and junior. All of I those agree guys with that. need to step up. I do. 
even though I think that we have you to. You can't win every game with Jake Funk. I'm sorry. That's just, it's not, it will not work in the Big Ten. It's just that's true. That's true. But we do have to realize that Jay Sean Jones had 103 in the air, which yep. was a career high for him. Before this, his uh, best receiving game was 73 yards okay. against Texas in 2018, a ranked opponent there too. And Dante Dimas had 101 yards and a touchdown for his third time in his career getting 100 receiving yards. So he also okay. did it against Purdue in 2019 and Howard in 2019. Howard obviously is in a D1 team, but Purdue sure. was. And that Purdue game was with the pig getting, getting his start. It wasn't Josh Jackson. So it was a new quarterback for him to get used to, even though they've obviously played together in the past. So I think that, yes, the receiving core needs to have a similar game to Minnesota, but they all had good games against Minnesota. Rakeem Jarrett, even though he is a five-star freshman, we have to realize he's a five-star freshman. He will develop into all the hype that we all want out of him. Sure. But it was his second game. This is his – this game coming up is his first Big Ten East opponent. We, we have to not cut him slack. But yeah. We have to realize that only – TBIA, the best is ahead, as Coach Locks always like to say. Well, so I continue. Go ahead. Yeah, no, thank you, thank you, George. Um, I mean, so you make a great point there, but I think a name that is overshadowed a lot and not mentioned is Penny Boone. I think we really need to take him into consideration here. Four-star recruit was ranked 18th highest um, in the country coming out of high school for running and backs. Correct. Running back, correct. Yeah, behind Jake Funk. And he's a battering ram. He's 6'1", 245. You couldn't ask for a better compliment with Funk and Boone. They're both built very similarly. Obviously, you know, time of possession, them on the field is is definitely way differently. It certainly was against Minnesota. Um, but, I mean, he chose Maryland over schools like Tennessee, Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue, Indiana. Not to mention, let's just um, bring to the table here, four of those schools I just referenced are in the Big Ten. And he chose to come to College Park. So I think, you know, Locks needs to think about putting him in there more, not relying on Jake Funk, and, you know, spreading it around, not making it so predictable for defenses when Funk is in and on the field. I agree with that. Uh, last week when you asked me who would be the X factor for the Minnesota game, I said it would be Penny Boone. And it kind of was because he fumbled on the goal line. Yeah, that's correct. And, and that really was a dagger to the Maryland – offense because at that point it wasn't looking good obviously we came back and rallied and it'll go down as a Maryland classic for a long time but Penny Boone got one carry and he fumbled on that carry so I think that could be one of the reasons why we didn't see him more in Minnesota after yeah. that but I do agree with you that we need to to spread the wealth in, in the running back room it's not as deep as it's been in years past just because you said uh, Penny Boone's a true freshman. Isaiah Jacobs is a true freshman. And yep. Jake Funk is a redshirt senior. So this running back room will develop. It will take a little bit of time. It'll take coaching. It'll take film study. It'll take playing in more Big Ten games, which is okay and perfectly understandable. But I agree. I would like to see Penny Boone on the – uh, on the field a little bit more. Also, we still are waiting to see what's going to happen with the suspension with Tayon Fleet Davis from last year. He got in some off the field trouble. 
Yeah, he's back this year, but he hasn't suited up yet for the Terps. So even though he's not playing, though, he's still at practice. And uh, Locke said in his press conference that he's been a real good mentor and a real team player. So that's good to know for for development for these young young backs. But I agree, we we need to get some performance out of Penny Boone. I think it'll come. I think that that was a rude awakening for him in Minnesota because he's a big guy in high school. You just hand him the ball on the one yard line and the defenses, you know, will lay down for a guy like that. They won't want to get physical, but Minnesota played physical on the line of scrimmage, even though their run defense might not have looked like it. It it worked there. So in those, in those short down packages, I expect him to probably get some more carries going forward, but two hands on the football. That's all I have to say going forward. Oh, I mean, at all times. I mean, he's got to be really careful, really, really, really careful with that ball in the future. Now let's kind of transition here to Penn State. Let's transition to what Maryland's got ahead of them this coming Saturday. The all-time series, Penn State leads the Terps 42-1, and with their longest winning streak being 24 games from 1962 to 1988. Maryland has not won in quite some time. Now, last week, you know, George, you and I talked about this before even getting on the air. Clifford did not have a good game against Justin Fields and the Ohio State Buckeyes. Went 18 for 30, threw for three touchdowns, only 281 yards and a pick. But, however, it was not a really balanced rushing attack. Ford only having eight carries for 36 yards. So, if you ask me, it didn't happen last week against Minnesota, George, but that D-line, that front seven for Maryland really has to play better because I think they can. They can put the pressure on Clifford and his arm like he was forced to do against Ohio State. I agree. Uh, speaking about the front seven, some more Maryland news is that, I don't know if you saw, but Marcus Bradley, one of the four-star defensive tackles, decommitted from Maryland. Oh, man, I did saw – yeah, I, I, was, I was shocked by that. Well, I – I was also pretty shocked because he said that his reasoning for it was that he didn't like the Maryland scheme and that's fine. He can say that, but I really feel like that was a a thing that he would have known before committing to Maryland was the kind of scheme that Maryland would be running. So that's okay. Um, It's also a little bit confusing because he's teammates with Robinson, who's also at Quince Orchard, who's, the highest overall ranked recruit in this upcoming class. So it's a little bit weird. I would have expected, you know, him to to stay with his teammate, but it's all right. We still also have um, Taz Johnson, who's 6'1", 290, four-star defensive tackle, and Tommy Akinbatoti. Not 100% sure on that pronunciation. I'm sorry, Tommy, but he's 6'4", 270, another four-star defensive tackle. So we do have good defensive line coming in but I thought as you mentioned the defensive front seven that should be mentioned going into this week too but I agree the Maryland defensive front seven does need to play well they need to get physical Penn State does not have their top two backs that they were supposed to have coming into camp in Journey Brown and Noah Kane which is good for Maryland bad for Penn State Uh, additionally um Coach Franklin said that they're going to start uh, freshman Keandre Lambert-Smith as a one of the wide receivers this week. He's a true freshman. Um, he was a four-star, the number 35 receiver in the class. He was an ESPN top 300 player. 
Got offers from Clemson, Florida, Maryland. Didn't Maryland, yeah. Though. Miami, Michigan, Notre Dame, Ohio State, USC. A very talented player. So that'll be interesting to see how he does with his first actual start. Uh, Pat Fryermuth, the tight end, was a beast. He is 19 yards short of his 1,000 career yard marker, so we'll assume that he'll probably get that against the Terps defense. So that'll be a little storyline going. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be a, a battle for the Maryland defense, but they were kind of bend, don't break last week. They got stops when they needed to. Uh, they played well in the fourth, played well in the first, just didn't play well in the middle of the game. So if they can bring that momentum of the bend, don't break, hey, we can give up three. We can give up a, a, a third and short, but we got to get off the field when it's third and ten. No dumb penalties, no unnecessary roughness, no personal fouls, you know, can't get those PIs. Uh, if we can avoid those types of dumb mental mistakes, I think that, you know, Chance Campbell's having a great season. If the big guys up front can eat up blocks to let him run th- run free and make some plays and, you know, ace Ely, the defense can, can do all right. We'll have to keep – if we can keep Clifford in the pocket and make him beat us with his arm instead of running around and scrambling and making those, imp- those improv plays, I think Maryland's, Maryland's defense will, will be all right because our offense has shown – Last week, we can put up points and we can put up points fast. How about you? What do you think? No, I absolutely agree. I mean, this offense has now officially proven that they can come out and they're able to flip a game on a dime. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, something definitely to consider, you know, the offensive line, and this definitely favors in Maryland, is, is it, it's, it's not it's – not, I would have to say an above average group for the Nittany Lions. Um, But then again, that's to credit their inexperience uh, as a group. Um, However, actually less inexperience. I would say it's actually more packed with the side of experience and talent. They've got Rasheed Walker, Will Fries, center Michael Mennett, uh, and guard CJ Thurp all returning to their starting roles in 2020. However, Mike Miranda is going to take over the left guard spot for the Nittany Lions, but for the first time in a long time, the offensive line can actually point to results because this is the first time where this Nittany Lion offensive line isn't inexperienced. So this is where, you know, we turn back to the point of needing to be able to shut down that run game. The Maryland D line is going to have to find a way to clog those A and B gaps and force plays outside and force Clifford to make moves and plays with his arm and his legs. Additionally, you know, you got Penn State has a new offensive line coach, Phil Trotwine. Sorry, Phil, if I pronounced that wrong. Um, Coached previously at Boston College and did a great job there. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see what Maryland's going to be able to do on the defensive side of the ball. But there's a lot of talent on that Nittany Lion offensive group. And we're going to have to just wait and see, you know, how they're able to respond against, you know, probably the toughest matchup they've had. And running back Davion Ford, you know, he's returning this year, as I mentioned. Didn't have a great week last week, but it's Ohio State. A majority of teams in the country aren't going to have good weeks against them. But, you know, earning a 5.7 yard per carry average with three scores. So the Nittany Lions, you know, 
They, they've added two four-star running backs in the 2020 and Kaziah Holmes, and they received early buzz and ultimately, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, they received early buzz about his playmaking ability. Um, and offensive coordinator Kirk, wow, I, Kirk Sierraka, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. They, you know, they find a lot of potential in his game. So it's a young group, but an experienced group on the offensive side. And Maryland, you know, Maryland, Maryland's got a tall task at hand, George. I'm excited to see this game, to be completely honest with you. I think that we all know there have been a lot of players that are new to this team. However, like I said last week, the team that played Minnesota in 2019 didn't want to get an outscored, outclassed, out everything on their home turf. Yes, this is up in their turf. But I can tell you, last year, when we got Penn State at home, Penn State embarrassed us on our home field. There aren't fans in the stadium, which is good, because last year, the Penn State fans, I'll say this, I've seen a lot of teams play Maryland home in both the Xfinity Center and the, uh, the Shell in Maryland Stadium. And those Penn, Stan, Penn, those Penn State fans, man, they are very, they're very school-spirited. I'll say that about them. But I, they, I would uh, say, you know, as, you know, one WFT fan to another, Penn State is probably our Dallas Sure, I'll say that. I remember that there were a bunch of students from Penn State that came to the game that invaded our student section, and we needed to get security to escort them out. That's the type of, of experience we got like, last do you, do you year. Like, do you like love that or do you hate that? Because I got to admit, I mean, that's the beauty of the rivalry. I mean, I hate that. You gotta, I, I do. You got to embrace that. I mean, enjoy the fact of booing them as they're walking out, taking that walk of shame, you know, out of cap one and, or into another section. Um, so, I mean, it's definitely it's, – uh, that's the beauty of the rivalry, and it's going to be different. You and I have acknowledged this multiple times. We acknowledged it last week. Penn State is one of those stadiums. You acknowledged it in your trivia question. It, it's one of the bigger stadiums in college football. But we saw last week it's not the same when there's no fans. Completely agree with you. It's just not. I really think Penn State, and they have for years, and I've seen them do it, and I've seen them come back and win games against Ohio State with fans in that stadium. It, yep. they, they, that team feeds off the crowd. It's loud. It's noisy. The away team can't communicate well. Play calling is a little rough. It's skewed, forced to call timeouts. You can't hear each other so well. A lot of miscommunication going on on the opposing side of the field. However, Maryland – you know, they don't have to deal with that. And that also, George, that kind of that, – that ups the scale a little bit. They don't have a lot of excuses, one might say, if they do end up losing this game. Would you say, George, Penn State's not Northwestern. This isn't the same mentality. You don't want to play down to your opponent. You don't want to play above to your opponent. You want to play to your opponent. However, what do they need to do differently against Penn State than they didn't do against Northwestern. Cause let's not go back to the game where they absolutely shined on offense, had their, had their trouble on defense, did fine on special teams, but let's go back to the game where they were just, they were off on all three sides of the ball. What can't they do that they did against Northwestern against Penn state? They can't have the self inflicted wounds. They cannot have three uh, interceptions on bad decisions Again, if it's a 50-50 ball, 
and the cornerback makes a great play, okay, I guess maybe you can live with it. You can't throw into double coverage. You can't fumble kickoffs. You can't make dumb mistakes like that. Special teams will be a factor. We need – if we get to get in field goal range, Petrino's going to have to make the kick. And I think he's feeling very confident after making that 51-yarder. I think Petrino, he's a former NFL kicker waiting to happen. I hope so. I really do. I mean, last year he didn't have a great season. He was hurt for most of it after he injured himself with the Temple game. But his freshman year, he was pretty good. He only missed two kicks, and the first one coming against Ohio State. So he made the majority of the kicks that year. I believe he only missed two. And this was his first career kick over 50 yards, which shows he can make a 50-yarder. So maybe that that might come into play. You know, if we get into a fourth and long and it's a 48-yard attempt, maybe Coach Lux will be able to believe in Petrino. Petrino will be able to believe in himself to make that kick. So our special teams will have to perform. I mean, look at special teams. That's what won us the game against Minnesota. Yep. So I think our special teams will be have to be important. And I think that our upperclassmen will have to show leadership traits, which they can do, and will have to rally the troops. We're going to need our upperclassmen, such as Dante Dimas, a junior. We're going to need Jake Funk, a senior, to help some of these younger guys in big situations. This is Talia's first Big Ten East start. This is his... This is his time to shine. Everyone saw him against Minnesota. Now let's see what he can do against a rival. I know Penn State doesn't think of this as a rivalry game, but I can tell you as a Maryland fan, as a Maryland alum, this is 100% a rivalry game. This is a Big Ten, this is a Big Ten matchup, primetime afternoon slot college football. Of course this is a rivalry game. This will always be a rivalry game. Maryland is getting to the point in their program where they have made so many cultural changes off the field and on the field that things are trending in a great direction. If you're a Maryland Terrapin right now, they are, and there's no doubt that this is a huge game. It's a meaningful game. And Tolly has got a lot, a lot to prove. He definitely has a lot to prove. And you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm totally a faithful. I hope all the other Maryland football fans out there are as well, because you should be. He has shown phenomenal, phenomenal signs of great quarterback play. He's got a lot of talent that a lot of NFL quarterbacks can't display. He's got mobility. He's got a big arm. He's got an accurate arm. He's able to scramble. You know, he's not, he's not stiff in the pocket. I think we saw some of that against Northwestern, no doubt. You know, for gosh sakes, your, your first game in a new uni, prime time, you know. So a lot, a lot there against a Big Ten opponent. However, I think right now he's settled in, and if, if I'm him, there's nothing – you shouldn't be feeling anything other than excited about this Saturday. You're, you've already gotten the butterflies out. You've gotten your first win as a Terp. You're headed up to Beaver Stadium, and you're going to have some fun. You're going to have some fun. You don't have to deal with that noise, and I'm sure, you know, I'm sure he probably wishes that noise was there. I mean, that's part of the game. That's, that's part of sports. That's part of it, the atmosphere, the chaos. Uh, you mentioned, you know, you know, Penn State fans getting escorted out of the student section at Cap One. That's that's part of the atmosphere with this rivalry. So it's definitely going to be something to look for um, in this game, how the atmosphere plays a role for both teams. However, I think the X factor comes – you said it, George. I mean, it comes down to uh, self-inflicted wounds, the turnover battle. Um, 
who's going to win that battle, who's going to be able to flip the field. Special teams is going to be key also. I think I should throw that in there. Um, making smart coaching decisions as well. You don't want to – You don't. Loxley does not want to put his team in situations where you're on the Penn State 45 and it's fourth and two and you feel the need to go for it when it's, you're down three or seven nothing. Punt it. Flip the field. Make Penn State earn their points. Don't give it to them. Don't let them only get 20, 30 yards and kick a field goal or potentially score a touchdown. Make them earn everything for four quarters in this game up at State College. Now, from the field to the hardwood, I know you Maryland fans are out there probably are more excited or just as excited as I am. Maryland basketball, both men and women's, is back this month. If I could hear your reaction, I would love to hear it right now because I'm sure you all are at home screaming. So, George, why don't you talk to us a little bit about what's expected and what's to come for women's Maryland basketball? Well, as you know, Maryland women's basketball is coming off of a Big Ten championship. So, what's expected? Another Big Ten women's championship. Uh, So, I mean, yes, we lost some players to the WNBA. We lost Kayla Charles. We're all excited to watch her as she has her next season next year. She had a pretty good season for Connecticut's team down in the bubble. And, again, we have another really good player coming on the wing, the number one overall wing player recruit in Angel Reese, a local gal from Baltimore. Her brother, you might have heard of him also, Julian Reese, He's also committed to the Terps in the class of 2021, a 6'9 power forward. So we're getting ready to see the first of the Reese siblings don a Maryland basketball jersey in the Xfinity Center. So that's something to be excited for if you're a women's fan with Angel or a men's fan next year with Julian. So I'm really excited for that. Um, The women's team will be traveling down to Fort Myers for the Gulf Coast Showcase at Florida Gulf Coast University, which, if you remember a couple of years ago, had that crazy game where they beat Georgetown in oh my the gosh. men's uh, March Madness, and that made March pretty mad that year, I can tell you that much, if you remember that. Oh. So Maryland women's will first be playing Davidson on the 27th. Then they'll be playing um, on the 28th against Missouri State. And then they're going to play on the 29th, Arkansas. And the Arkansas game is the game that I'm excited for. Because I'm sure you remember the name Destiny Slocum. I, that, is a, that is a household name if you're a Maryland fan. So Destiny Slocum, let's remind some of our fans, was a 2016 McDonald's All-American from Idaho. She got on the plane, came cross-country to play for Brenda Freeze's Terps. She was the 2017 All-Big Ten Tournament Team, 2017 Second Team All-Big Ten, the 2017 Big Ten Freshman of the Year, and the WBCA National Freshman of the Year. However, she transferred after that ridiculously good freshman year to Oregon State. Now, she's a grad transfer at Arkansas. So I'm excited to see... Destiny Slocum play her former, former team in the Maryland Terrapins down there in the Gulf Coast Showcase. Um, 
And I think it's going to be really interesting to watch her because I haven't really seen her play that much in the last couple of years because time zones, I'm a Maryland women's fan, not an Oregon State women's fan. Oh, for sure. And I'm excited to see how she has developed, how her professionalism is against her former team. And I'm excited to see how Coach Freeze goes after her because she's one of the smaller guards out there. She's only 5'7". So I'm excited to see the Maryland women's matchup against the Arkansas Razorbacks down in Florida. That's what I'm really excited for. Are you? Oh, I'm, I'm pumped. I mean, Maryland's women's basketball has so much going for them right now, especially Coach Freeze grooming these players to be the best they can possibly be. I, me- I mentioned last week, you know, you got Katie Benson, you got Chloe Bibby, you got all of these returning sophomores, juniors, and seniors coming back that are used to the system, used to the coaches. And George, I mean, when you win championships, there's no expectation lower than doing it again the next year. Right now, Maryland's women's basketball is in the driver's seat without question against every single team in the Big Ten. They are the team to beat. However, in Maryland's men's basketball, they are reportedly to travel to face the Clemson Tigers as part of the 2020 ACC Big Ten Challenge. Now, unlike women's, not all of the men's basketball schedule has been released up to this point. Maryland has faced Clemson, the fifth most out of any program in college basketball, posting an 85-46 record in 131 games. Maryland suffered a 77-73 double overtime loss to the Tigers on March 2nd, 2014, which was the last time these teams played. Unfortunately, not exactly in the favor of the Terps. They are 1-5 in, in this challenge since joining the Big Ten in 2014, winning its last game against Notre Dame. As, however, as members of the ACC, the Terps posted a 10-5 record, so it's going to be interesting to see. And some other notable games in this Big Ten ACC challenge are Michigan State-Virginia, Louisville, Wisconsin, Penn State, Virginia Tech, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Duke, Illinois. Obviously, we got Maryland and Clemson. And one that I'm actually looking forward to, which I think is a little bit under the radar, is Indiana versus Florida State. Indiana, I think, is going to be a very underrated Big Ten team this year. I don't think they've gotten the credit they deserve the last few years. Um, And I think they're going to be a team to watch. They're going to be a team to watch. I know, George, I know you know I've been to Xfinity Center two times getting to watch the Hoosiers. I know Maryland's won both times, but it's been close, and it's been interesting games. And I know uh, one of those times in particular, Maryland actually blew a second-half lead and was able to come back with minutes, and I mean minutes, two, three minutes left in the fourth quarter to win it 73-72. So it's definitely going to be an interesting uh, Big Ten ACC challenge this year. Um, Not to mention, you know, something else to look out for, George. You know, this is not exactly the same Maryland basketball men's team they had last year. They're going to have to rely on some of the more experienced veteran guys like Daryl Morsol, you know, last year, you know, he was two-time academic All-Big Ten. um, And also, he was the 2019 Orlando Invitational All-Tournament team. He had a heck of a year. He appeared in all 31 games and made 29 starts. Did a phenomenal job. But his coaches say, you know, and he, if you know you're just a fan, he's known for his defensive play. You know, last year in the Orlando Invitational Championship, 
he held the nation's eventual leading scorer, Marcus Howard for Marquette, who averaged 27.8 points per game to only six points on one in 12 shooting. So he did a phenomenal job last year. And George, I kind of want to hear your thoughts. Who do you think some of the key X factors are for the Maryland Terps this year, if they want to also get another big 10 title? Well, Daryl Morcel is a great defensive player. Cannot completely forget about his offensive glory. As we just played Minnesota last week, I remember last year in the barn, he hit probably one of the most memorable shots. He of hit the, he th- for in this decade. Yeah, yeah, that is definitely a, a top three shot from my perspective in you know the 2010 to 2020 decade for sure. Well, th- well, think about it. If he misses that shot, we lose that game. We're not co-champions of the Big Ten. Nope. So there were a lot of games that could have changed our outcome but that is one of those games where you have to think about daryl morsell definitely the hero of that game but you asked who are the other x factors you have to think one of them has to be aaron wiggins he's going into his junior year he's on the julius irving small forward watch list he should be groomed now he should be confident now he has the ring He knows what it takes to win that ring and hang the banner. He has to be one of the guys to lead the team. And I'm going to say it again. Maryland's big men have been pretty good over the last few years. Bruno Fernando. I'll start with Bruno Fernando because Checo wasn't great. Yvonne Bender wasn't great. Diamond Stone was kind of a bust. So we'll start with Bruno. Bruno gave us two really good years. Then we got Sticks. Sticks was the lone big man last year we ran a pretty small ball lineup so i'm going to say stick with with sticks absence we have to see how chol plays because chol has the body to be a very good rebounder he's 72 he's got a very good wingspan he's got the experience now he played half the season but he played in big 10 games Chol has to be an impactful player this year. Everyone wants him to be. Coach well, I mean, Turge hopes he's, help, I mean, he's healthy now. How, how can you not be impactful? I don't care what your numbers are. I don't care your experience. I don't care your history. How can you not be impactful when you're 7-2 running up and down a basketball court? I mean, I mean his, he should be averaging a double-double at the least in points and rebounds, potentially a triple-double if you mix in blocks. This, I mean, the guy, the guy is, he's, he is an absolute diamond in the rough kind of talent that Coach Turgeon and the Terps need to take advantage of. I agree. Um, I just hope that he can live up to his potential. And it might not be this year. Maybe it's next year. But we need to see a large improvement to be able to fill the shoes that both Bruno and Sticks have left him. And he'll get that mentorship from Galen Smith, the transfer from Alabama. And hopefully he can learn under his tutelage. Obviously, Coach Turge will coach him up. He's been in the system for, you know, a year now. But we'll, we'll see what he can do. But I'm very excited to see him. Another one, another one of the players that will have to have a good year if Maryland wants to make any sort of run at the Big Ten Championship to repeat there 
and go to March has to be Ayala. And, I mean, he's our most experienced guard on the team. And you can't be a very good college basketball team without a playmaking guard. Be it assist, he's a good team player. He can make the passes that you need. He can see the floor. Or he just goes down the lane, drives, gets fouls, just scores. We'll see what Ayala can do this year. But I'm telling you, he's due for a really good year. And I'm I mean, really excited to see how he does. I mean, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, he was a consensus four-star recruit. He was rated number 76 recruit in the country, according to 247 Sports. I mean, he was a heck, heck of a player. And he chose Maryland over Oregon, Syracuse, Miami, and Arizona. And, you know, he, he, he performs and acts, you know, nothing short of greatness. Um, he's got a phenomenal work ethic, and it's going to be interesting to see what he can do this year um because i know you know he's done a phenomenal job um as a terp you know he appeared in all 31 games last year and unfortunately the season was cut due to the COVID 19 pandemic but he did a phenomenal job in playing a key role to that 2020 big 10 championship and you know he ranked second excuse me not 70th (laughs) he ranked second on the team with 77 assists and you know he came when he needed. He came through when he needed to. He averaged eight and a half points with two point nine rebounds. So he came through in a lot of big games and a lot of big situations. And it's definitely going to be interesting to see as well um, the atmosphere come college basketball season at the end of the month. So George, before we mosey our way off the airways here, I think I have a couple responses for you and a couple trivia questions you asked me at the beginning of the show. Well, I'm going to repeat them for you one more time just so you can get them all down. I would appreciate that because I know the second one has one answer, but it's got multiple parts to the answer. Okay, so the first question, which I'll ask you, is the first one I did ask. Who was the last player to score a touchdown for UMD against PSU, Penn State? Okay, so, you know, the funny thing about that question, as soon as you asked me that question, I knew right off the bat right off the bat, Saquon Barkley was on Penn State at the time. Because I know Maryland, their last three games against Penn State, they put up zero, they put up three, and they put up three. That's correct. That game in 2016, that's where I'm having the brain fart. I know they lost. I know they lost. It's been quite some time since Maryland has last beat Penn State. But who – so I'm th- so I got three names. Okay. I got, I got three names. I'm going to list the names, not my answer. So I got Tyrell Pigrome, Perry Hills, and Ty Johnson. One of them is correct. One of them is correct. Okay. See, my, my thought process says, for some reason, um, I'll really pat myself on the back here, give credit to my memory if I get this right. But for some reason, I feel like Tyrell Pigrome – either did not start that game or was injured and got injured. Um, And it might've been Perry Hills. Now, Ty Johnson, wide receiver, did he get the touchdown? Now I got to play this to my favor here. The history shows in the last three years, Maryland has scored six points against one team in three years. Now, how many could they have really scored in 2016? Their third year in the big 10. Mm. Okay. 
Okay. I'm going to lock my guess in. Okay. I'm going to lock my guess in. I'm going to say it was Ty Johnson. It was not Ty Johnson. It was not Ty Johnson. Who was it? It was Terrell Pigram to score our last touchdown against the Nittany Lions. He got a rushing touchdown in the second quarter, and that was the last time that we scored a touchdown. Okay. October 8th, 2016. October 8th, 2016. Okay. All right. All right. Good. Good. Ty Johnson. Ty Johnson was a good guess, though. Okay. See, see, when I was thinking about that, I was like, okay, quarterback's got to be involved. But I was like, what if the quarterback threw it to Ty Johnson? But don't forget, Ty Johnson was our running back. Yeah, he know. I mean, he was a flex. I mean, he played. I mean, he played wide out too. But I mean, he. I mean, he kind of reminds me of a little bit of a. You know, not to go like too off topic here, but kind of like a. You know. I don't know. Who would you compare him to in the NFL? Sort of a flex player. Uh, there's a lot out there. But, no, I, I really – oh, man, I really thought Ty Johnson. Oh, man, that was a good question. Good question. Okay. Now the second one. Beaver Stadium, where we're playing this weekend, holds sure. 106,572 fans, which is one of the biggest stadiums in college football. Can you name the top five biggest college football stadiums? doesn't have to be in order. Okay. Bonus points if you can do it in order. But the top five. Okay, well, you won't won't be getting any bonus points from me. Um, okay. I can give you the first. I can give you the biggest. That's it, though. Okay. Actually, I could probably give you the first two in order. Um, now, wait. You're telling me Beaver Stadium is one of the biggest, right? You told me it I holds am. about one hundred six thousand. Is are you insinuating to me based on that that Beaver Stadium is in the top five? I don't know, folks. Should I give them the answer to that, or should I? I I'm going to let you make that decision. Okay. Are they in the top five? You'll have to make that call. Okay, well, gosh, my Lord, uh, 106. That is a lot, a lot, a lot of fans. That is a loud stadium, um, which it is. I'll, I'll, start, I'll start with my easy, my, uh, my pickings. Um, uh, number one, Michigan. Michigan is number one, correct. Number two, I believe, is Ohio State. Number two is not Ohio State, but Ohio State is in the top five. They yes. are in the top five. Okay, so number two is not Ohio State. Good to know. Um, let me run through the uh, – oh, gosh. Okay. Um, I'm going to put in the top five University of Georgia. University of Georgia is not number – it's not in the top five. It's, I believe, number uh, nine, nine or ten. Number but nine. It's not in the top – I believe it's number nine, but it's not in the top ten. Okay. Or top five, sorry. Um, let me mosey my way through. I'm going to put, I am going to do this. I'm going to put Penn State in the top five. That's correct. Penn State is number two. Okay. So we got one, two, and three, four and five. Okay. I'm going to take a little bit of a shot in the dark here. I'm going to put Texas A&M in the top five. Correct. They are number four. Okay. Number five. Wow, the million-dollar question. Um, mm. Are yes and no questions allowed? Sure. Okay. Is this team in the SEC? They are. That might be all I need. Let's think this through here for a second. Um, See, you know – Alabama does not have a big stadium, but are they the fifth one? Ah, see, I, I thought four or five was going to be Georgia because I know Georgia holds about like 102, 103. 
Uh, Georgia is not at a is not one hundred two thousand, so that's why they're not there. That's why this fifth team. Might, no, 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 I'll tell you how many they hold, which tell me might how many help. They hold. You. Tell me how many they hold. They hold one hundred two thousand four hundred fifty five fans. Okay, tell me how much uh, Texas A and M holds. 102,733 fans. Okay, so obviously not far apart at all. Um, the naked eye could not detect a difference. The naked probably. eye could not. Yeah, good point. It, no one would be able to notice. Um, all right. Man, oh, man. So, I mean, uh, can't be LSU. Can't be Death Valley. LSU is number six, actually, with 102,321. Okay, wow. That's but it's hard. not – Okay. LSU. That's a lot closer than I thought. I thought LSU uh, wasn't even in the top 10, but um, okay. Um, okay. So, no Georgia. It's not LSU. I believe it's not Alabama. Um, no way it's Vanderbilt. No way it's Tennessee. No way it's Kentucky. No way it's South Carolina. Um, you know what? You know, we're going to go hot take on this one. We're going to go hot take. We're going to go hot take. I got two guesses. Okay. I'm, I'm going I'm to throw both the teams from the Mississippi, from the state of Mississippi in this one. Um, I'm going to say number five is Mississippi State. I could be very wrong. Is that your final answer? I, I'm, I'm, I'm locking it in. Is the price right? The price, unfortunately, is not right today. Mississippi State is not the number five biggest stadium in the country. Would you like to know who it is? I would, I'm sure me and all of our listeners would love to know who the number five team is. They are down in Knoxville, Tennessee. The Tennessee Volunteers. Neyland Stadium is the fifth Neyland largest. Neyland Stadium is the fifth largest. Yes, sir. Oh, my. Man, that place must be rocking on Saturdays. Then. It is. They have the checkerboard end zones. I can tell you, I've been to four of the five biggest. I have been to Michigan. I have been to Penn State. I have been to Ohio State. And I have been to Tennessee. And from personal experience, from the actual field level, I think that Ohio State looks the biggest. Now, why is that? Is that a little more bowl shaped at the top? Like, why is that? Ohio State builds up, Michigan goes down, Tennessee is only two levels, but they're massive. It's just a giant bowl and then a giant bowl on top. I've never been to Texas A&M. And Penn State Stadium looks like a tinker toy because it's not an even stadium. One side's significantly larger than the other, and the two sidelines are very large. It's massive and really big, but it doesn't look as big as, as um, Ohio State. And Michigan Stadium goes down. It only Michigan Stadium, when you look at it from the outside, it's only about – I don't know, 30, 35 feet above the ground. And then obviously they're the two towers, but it just goes down. And Ohio State just goes up and keeps going up. And it looks like, you know, um, it looks like a massive stadium. Yes. They don't call it the shoe for nothing. Well, folks, thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Turbulence. Along for my uh, co-host, George Shalloway, I am your host, Jack White, and we will see you next week on the airwaves next Thursday talking about more Maryland Terps sports news. Thanks again, folks. See you next week on WMUC Sports.